Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, the 2022 Packers minicamp, mandatory minicamp, essentially it's in the books. We had two days of practice, and now today, actually, as we are taping this show, the team is on its way to a team-building activity. Practice was canceled, sort of a, a, a tradition in some respects over the years here. So two practices we got to witness, um, two locker room sessions, lots of interviews with players and whatnot. I'll just throw it out to you as an, as an open-ended question. What made the biggest impression on you over the last couple of days? One moment, and it was where we actually, Evan Siegel perfectly captured it, and we paired it with your story on Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Rodgers talking to Samori Toure. And uh, I remember watching it live as it happened. Yeah, you it, and I were standing right next yeah. to each other. We saw it. We and saw it, it. It was super cool because on the other side of the field, Evan was shooting that. And it's such a great moment. What was happening in practice is there was an early routes on air period. And Toure and Rodgers, uh, Rodgers had thrown him a deep ball. I think he was kind of running like a deep corner route. They, don't, they didn't get it connected. But then Toure comes back and Rodgers very just – calmly kind of talks through with him kind of what was going on there and what he's looking for. Now, before people hear me say that and run away with it and go, well, this is why he should have been here for the entire offseason right. program. Right. I, I want to just make it the point that it's, th this is what this time is for. This is why you have mini camp um, to, to get the veterans now working with the young guys that have had a chance to sort of grow and blossom here over the last month. And a chance to learn some of the offense, Absolutely. To, get, to go through the meetings and learn some of the stuff that's on paper in the playbook. And what stood out to me the most, I'm not saying that there's a, you know, one led to another, but then you see the next day happen, we get the rain, we're in the Hudson Center, and Samari Toure had as big of a day as anybody uh, in that practice. I mean, just some incredible catches, mostly with the twos and, and you know, with Jordan Love, but... It's the process of these young guys coming around. And we, we shot our three things video, and I, I don't want to give anything away on that, but I thought Larry had such a great take too where it's these young guys that it's just every day somebody else is stepping up and making plays. And to have Rodgers here for this week, to get guys sort of accustomed to him, I, I just thought it was an incredibly productive week for them to get those two practices in. Fans at Nitschke Field were able to actually see you know, them, them work a little bit on Tuesday. Uh, I thought it checked all the boxes, and from all accounts, they got through it injury-free. Yeah, and it was interesting, too, to watch you mentioning, you know, different guys on different days, and there 
there were moments in practice where we saw the veteran guys, Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb, making plays and doing the types of things that veterans do. They don't need all the snaps and OTAs. They don't need to be here for absolutely everything. But it's just it's it's sort of like okay, get the legs under him, catch some catch some passes and whatnot, and and then they're getting ready to take their break now, before uh, before they come back in several weeks for yes. for training camp, which is uh, which is the grind that they've all been through, and they all know what they have to do to get ready for it. And, and before we close that chapter, of this I just want to go back to Rogers for a second too. The other thing about it, and you did such a great job. If you haven't read it already, Mike's summation of Rogers' thoughts on Tuesday. Roger's explaining, you know, kind of his thought process with this yeah. offseason. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that some more. Yeah. When everybody discusses, you know, him being here and he needs to be with the young guys, you also have to remember about Aaron Rodgers, too. At 38 years old, this December will be 39. You know, this is a guy that's been doing this for a long time, most of his life. And there's the body work process and the mental process that he wants to go through during the offseason. He's been big on that for years. It's something he's been doing since he basically turned 30, making that investment into his body, making that investment into his mental health and awareness. And he feels like there's a value in that as well. Where he goes, the people that know him, how he works, the one-on-one attention that he gets, and also just being able to refresh and reset going into another season with high expectations. It's not just a guy picking up his lunch pail and going to work. It's Aaron Rodgers being the two-time reigning MVP, deciding, hey, do I, can I be, perform at this level and meet those expectations that I have for myself? And everything he's done over the last four months plays into that. Right, and I thought it was interesting how Ro- Rodgers described you know, how he does need to go through that mental reset. It's not something he needed to do at 31, right. 32 years old necessarily, but it is something he has to do now. When you think about this past offseason, Think about how much he had to process. I mean, there was the incredibly disappointing playoff loss in which he knows he didn't play up to his own standards. The offense didn't hold up its end of the bargain in a game in which uh, the defense obviously played very, very well. So there, there's that that bitter disappointment. He's trying to process through the offseason, how much longer do I want to keep playing? Do I want to retire? Do I want to give this another go? Then he goes through, he said he was involved in all the conversations regarding Devontae Adams and his, you know, his favorite target, good friend, decides it's best for him in his career, personally and professionally, to get back to the West Coast. And, uh, um, and Rodgers has to process losing, losing the guy who's been his top target here for the past handful of seasons and, and you know, arguably the best receiver in the league. Then there's all the coaching changes, yep. you know, Luke Getzey, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, Justin Outen, the, co- the coaches on the offensive staff that he's gotten to know for the last three years. Those guys, and Getzey longer than that, yeah. those guys uh, moving on to, to bigger and better career opportunities for themselves. I mean, he had a lot, he had a lot to go through here. But then all that said, and he had made the comment after the golf match last week about, yeah, like, of course I still think about retirement. But he made a point to emphasize when I decided in March, you know, amidst everything with Adams and, you know, then him signing the contract extension and all that, he said, I'm 100 percent all in. Yes, I'm still going to think about retirement, and maybe what the future holds. But right now for this season, for 2022, I'm all in. I'm here. I'm committed. Everybody knows that. Um, he's got his old quarterbacks coach, Tom Clements, back in the building. He said for all the change that's gone on. That makes uh, makes things sort of feel a little bit better, feel a little bit more okay, you know, as uh, as this uh, this offense goes through 
this transition and uh and Rogers is Rogers ready for it. He's uh, he plans to be all set to go for the start of training camp, and then at the end of this season, he'll go through his uh, he'll go through the process again and see where he is he is mentally with regards to his future. Yeah, and, and I don't think this was intentional, but I am personally enjoying kind of the Benjamin Button sort of aspect of his <laughs> career here, where you know Clements is back, who yeah. was his original quarterbacks coach. Uh, he's grown the long hair back out again, which is kind of the way he entered the league. Uh, back in 2000 and whatever that year he did that 07 but at the end of the day it's just the appreciation for greatness and that was what my takeaway was when I was covering the match that night and afterwards I I, as I'm writing I I left on you know the quarterback conversation that Ernie Johnson did just expertly and listening to Rodgers and Brady talk sitting side by side um, it was incredibly refreshing because I feel like so many times we just talk about, well, when's so-and-so going to retire? They've been doing that now with Brady for seven years. Yeah. And both of those guys recognizing that, you know, trying to figure that out is very difficult for a human being in any walk of life. Trying to figure that out when you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, when you're going to go down as one of the greats, when, when my son has children, when, when you have grandchildren, they're, they're going to hear stories about Aaron Rodgers that – just like how I heard stories of Bart Starr. Right. And, and understanding that, that jumping off point and, and leaving that aspect of your life behind, it's not easy. And even Mercedes Lewis touched on it this week, too. You know, he's going into year 17 now. He has his eyes on tying Tony Gonzalez and, and obviously Jason Winton for that record, then maybe potentially surpassing it, depending on how this year goes. But as he said, you know, when your body feels good, it's just about mentally figuring out when is the next step for you. And I feel like with Rodgers, he, he said it perfectly. Once March came, he was all in. This was it. We are going. It's 2022 now. The season and the goal, the Super Bowl, that's all in touch. And, and building with this group that they have, I think it's incredibly exciting because for the first time in a long time, Mike, I think there's a lot of people in the NFL, a lot of people like myself, we don't know what form this offense is going to take and what the identity is going to be of this football team. And there's a certain amount of, um, you know, adrenaline that I think sort of hits when you're when you're when you're going through those emotions yeah I think uh, it was also interesting I thought and I wrote about this in in the story that I posted on the website the other day just his perspective on where things are with this receiving core right now and the the line you know if you want the sound bite the one line that jumps out about it with regard to this 2022 Packers receiving course he says well I'm in favor of production over potential now that's not a knock against the rookies, but that's basically the reminder that you know whether you're talking about Christian Watson being drafted at the top of the second round, Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round, uh, Toure in the seventh round. He made a made a very clear point of saying the expectations for the rookie receivers need to be reasonable, and um, and yeah, that that goes for that goes for him, but it also goes for for the fans and everybody as yep. well. Because as far as Rogers' perspective on the Green Bay Packers receiving core, he sees three veterans that are at the top of the depth chart right now. Put them in whatever order you want: Al Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Sammy Watkins, the new addition. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute. And then from Rogers' perspective, the rest of it is all guys competing to see where they fit. And Rodgers is like, hey, those top three, I feel pretty good about those top three. And then we're going to see, we're going to see what happens with the rest of these guys. And yes, there is a ton of potential there. This was a, this was a retooling, a reboot of the Packers receiving core with, with trading Adams, with losing MVS in free agency, all of that. Um, but 
Rodgers knows what he has, and then he's going to see exactly you know how that potential potentially comes to fruition um, with these other young guys, and and uh, it's a it, it's a complete it's a complete reset at that position. But he's excited about it. He knows that, and made a point of saying that having Randall Cobb in that receiver group as a leader, he's a guy that even when Rodgers is not around, Randall Cobb can you know, look at the film and explain to the young guys, okay, this is this is how the quarterback sees this. This is what he's gonna want you to do. Yeah. You know, Randall Cobb can be his his voice in the receivers room. So can Jason Vrabel, who's now worked with Rogers for multiple years. So um all of that is part of the process here as the Packers are putting together their offense for twenty twenty two. And another receiver that we definitely should mention as well, happens to have the same last name, that being Rogers. You talked with uh, Amari Rogers and wrote about him a little bit. And there's been, you know, a lot of a lot of speculation as to, okay, just what's happening. You know, the yeah. rookie season didn't go the way he wanted to. Here he's headed into year two. But, uh, but share what you learned as far as uh, Amari Rogers and where he's headed in his so-called sophomore season. It was interesting on Packers.com. I had the Rogers story, Amari Rogers story, and then the next day you wrote about Sammy Watkins. Yeah. And, and while they're different players at different junctures of their careers, it was interesting listening to both of them and reading about both of them, you know, feeling like they have something to prove this season. In Watkins' case, it was that, yeah, he has won a Super Bowl. He's done a lot in the league. He, you know, he came out just, you know, gangbusters his first two years in the NFL, but has had a lot of injuries, has had some stuff to work through on that side of things. Well, on the other side of it, Amari comes out, and as he equated it, it was kind of like a freshman year is how he looked at it, like going back to high school, going back to Clemson and trying to find your way. And that's a difficult, humbling experience. This is a young man that won a national championship, was a 1,000-yard featured receiver for, for the Tigers. And now here, here he is in the NFL trying to find his way. And fortunately for him, you talk about Cobb being a, you know, a, a, you know, kind of a guiding light for all these guys. Well, Cobb has known him since the kid was nine uh, based on the connections with Cobb playing for his father, T. Martin, way back and when over at um, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. And now this aspect I thought was really interesting, him saying that, you know, last year everything that happened, maybe he let it get to him a little bit. Maybe he did have kind of a confidence, you know, loss there after what happened with the kickoff or the punt returns. Uh, you know, and also just his, his body, you know, wanting to get back to being himself again. You know, I think he was trying to fill out a little bit more and trying to be this NFL receiver when – you know, I think Amari's starting to realize the Packers drafted me to be Amari Rodgers, not to be this guy I thought Amari Rodgers should be in the NFL. And, and all those things together, I, I think, is really going to be what carries him forward. And to be honest with you, Mike, we said it, Larry McCarron said it, he's looked a lot more confident in this camp. And just seeing some of the plays he made in the two-minute period on Wednesday, you know, coming across on a cross for 15 yards, a third and 10, got to have it situation to keep the chains moving, he comes up in that in that area you're seeing the pre-snap motion and how he could potentially fit, factor into that equation that was something we thought he was kind of you know earmarked for from the day he was drafted so he said at in, in that media conversation we had with him on tuesday was that you know he, he wasn't quite amari rogers uh, <laughs> last year he was amari roger or amari roger but he wasn't amari rogers he's like he's feeling you know, like himself again. Yeah, and it was interesting too because Matt Lafleur was was asked about him, and one of the things Lafleur said is is he's definitely in better shape here yeah. in his second year than he was as a rookie, and those are the kinds of things that that you kind of just never know exactly what's going on with a guy, right? And and um, you look at you look at this Packers receiving core. I mentioned the three the three veterans, but now 
over the last two years, you've added a second round, a third round, and a fourth round draft pick to this mix. Plus, you have some returning guys in Malik Taylor, Jawan Winfrey, the seventh rounder, Samori Toure, an undrafted uh, rookie, and Danny Davis out of Wisconsin. I mean, the, the competition in training camp will definitely be um, something to watch. I do want to talk uh, about Watkins as well because uh, I wrote a story yesterday, uh, late in the afternoon yesterday, that we posted on on the website and um, it was the first we had heard from Watkins uh, in the media he had uh, held court at his locker after practice yesterday and uh, and I tell you Wes it was um, um, you know whether whether you want to talk about sports or politics or whatever all the obfuscation that goes on in the media in terms of in terms of messages and this and that and what people want to perceive or believe and whatever else that you know eight minutes with with Sammy Watkins at his locker was one of the most refreshing things I've encountered in a long time because he was, he was absolutely honest. He was, he was insightful, um, very blunt about his own situation. He as far as his career, he's like, Hey, my back is against the wall. I mean, he's played for multiple teams. Now he admitted, I haven't had the career that I expected to have, right? He was the number four overall pick back in 2014, the same year, the Packers, drafted Devontae Adams in the second round. And he got off to a great start those first couple of years in yeah. Buffalo, but then the injuries. You know, he over the last six years, I counted it up, he has he has missed in totality more than two dozen games over the course of six years. That's a that's more than a season and a half of football. Yeah. And that doesn't include the games in which you only play like part of a game or you miss a big chunk of a game because of the moment that you do get hurt and you can't continue. So he knows it's all it's all on him to stay healthy, to stay on the field. But he was also very honest in saying you you could see the look in his eye and hear a little bit of the excitement in his voice about how great a fit he feels this is with the Packers where you have you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers you're on a contender he's with a head coach who was his offensive coordinator five years ago 2017 with the Rams where he caught eight touchdown passes that one year with the Rams by the way which is the most touchdowns he's had in a season since yeah. those early years in Buffalo Jason Vrabel was an offensive assistant who worked with the wide receivers those early years in Buffalo. That's now his position coach and the passing game coordinator for this offense. A lot of the a lot of these other outside elements kind of came together to 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 say to Sammy Watkins, "Hey, this is this is my shot at reviving my career. This is year 9 for him." Yeah. But he wants to play another three, four, or five years, and this is his chance to make that happen. He has a one-year deal in Green Bay. He's playing on a really good team that's going through a major transition at his position. This is a, this is the the opportunity for the reboot of his career, and he and and he mints no words about that. Yeah, you know, almost in a way, and again, different part of his career, but it almost kind of reminds you like of Devontae Campbell, where he was just he was very deliberate about what that next move was going to be this offseason understanding he needed to get in the right opportunity with the right team. He's played with MVP quarterbacks. He's won a Super Bowl. Right. He knows the standard that, that is out there. But the, the thing that stand out, stood out to me the most uh, after going back and reading your story and looking at what Watkins had said is that Sammy Watkins has had a fine NFL career. He really has. This is a league where guys come in, whether they're hyped or not. 
I mean, they would all love to have, you know, over 5,000 yards in their career, you know, 34 touchdown passes, a guy that has played in all these offenses and started all these games. But when you're drafted fourth overall, the expectation is that you're the next Calvin Johnson, right? You're you're the guy who's going to play 10 or, you know, you're going to end up with that that 10 or 12-year career, whatever it is, and you're going to be talked about for Canton, Ohio. That hasn't happened for Sammy Watkins, yes. He's had a really, really good career, but even he was willing to admit it's not the career that he wanted. But it's funny to me because I think a lot of people still wouldn't even say that. A lot of people that are in his shoes that would be a top pick, they'd kind of rest back on that and be like, yeah, it turned out okay. I made some money. It's been fun. Got a Super Bowl ring. Got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. But it was listening to Watkins be like, no, I still got time and I have an opportunity here and I want to show everybody that that guy that flashed early on, I can be that guy. And some of that ultimately is out of his control. You know, the, the injury factor of it. Sometimes there are things that you can't quite, you know, do. I mean, you can go back to 2013, Randall Cobb breaks his leg randomly, you know, and, and going across the middle against Baltimore. Right. Sometimes this game dictates your future more than you do. <laughs> but in terms of the self-awareness factor of it and Watkins understanding where he is at this point in his career and what he still feels like he needs to accomplish – as you said, it was one of the more refreshing things I think you've really heard said in the Packers locker room, at least during my time on the beat. Yeah, another point I think is worth making because we've talked about how Watkins does have a Super Bowl ring. Another thing I think that makes him a good fit here for, for a Packers team that expects to contend, wants to make another run at the Super Bowl and all that, take a look at Sammy Watkins' postseason statistics, 2018 and 2019. Yeah. Um, those two years, the, the, the one year where the Chiefs lost in the AFC Championship game to the Patriots, the following year they won the Super Bowl. 2018 and 2019, just in the postseason, Sammy Watkins had, I believe it's 24 receptions for over 400 yards yeah. um, in five playoff games for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. That's another thing. When you're talking about working in rookie receivers and guys who haven't been in the NFL, Sammy Watkins hasn't just been in the NFL. He has been a producer in the postseason, in January, where it matters, outdoors in Kansas City, all those things. Those are just other things that point to him being a really, really good fit here. Now, it's on him to stay healthy and stay on the field, and and, and that's his goal, and he said that. But he's excited about it. Matt LaFleur is excited about it. Aaron Rodgers is excited about it. And uh, and we'll just see where this goes. And Watkins might be the greatest week one receiver in NFL history, too. I mean, he's had some incredible performances right out of the gate yeah. uh, you know, for, for all these teams, too. But the, the thing I like that you said there, uh, especially at that time where, you know, Tariq Hill, all the eyes are on this guy. You, hear, you read about it. We saw it. There were so many one-on-one opportunities created for Watkins there. And the guy absolutely just you know, devoured those. He delivered, man. And seeing this offense and the way it's it's built. Now, certainly there aren't going to be as many double teams as there was, you know, as much cloud coverage as there was when Devontae Adams was roaming around there. Sure. But Matt LaFleur, you know, Adam Stenovich, these offensive coaches, they're going to try to trick the defense's mind. They're going to try to really get their eyes mixed up. And to have a guy like Watkins, to have these plethora of different types of playmakers, different body types, that, that's the exciting thing about it because I think you're going to see an active backfield. I think you're going to see an active pre-snap. 
and seeing how they kind of build the offense from there with the route trees is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Well, I do want to touch on a few things with regard to the defense uh, before we go, and I'll take care of some sponsor business here quickly, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, a couple of things on the defensive side. One, not too much of a surprise in that in seeing, uh, particularly in Tuesday's first minicamp practice, we saw Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, the top three cornerbacks out there with the number one defense. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, a couple of different guys were playing the slot position, right? Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, we saw Douglas probably more in there, the, but, but Alexander was in there as well. We had talked about that on our last show, how, uh, um, the Packers aren't going to label, label one of those three guys, the slot corner. That's not, not how this defense is going to work. The other thing that, that caught my eye was that, while we see the two first-round picks from Georgia, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, they were getting, getting worked in, getting some reps with the number one defense um, in some different spots. We also saw plenty of Chris Barnes and TJ Slayton, um, linebacker and defensive line, um, those same positions that the first-round picks from Georgia play. It was, it was so, you know, for me, it was almost like a reminder that okay, these guys are still these guys are still here too, and they're gonna be they're gonna be factors. They may not play fifty snaps a game, but those are those are two guys who are going to be factors in the rotation in in this defense. And uh, and perhaps we saw a little bit more of Slayton on the defensive line than we expected, because throughout this uh, these off season workouts, Dean Lowry, the yep. veteran, has been uh, has been sidelined with uh, with an undisclosed injury, but. Uh, um, when you go, when you have a guy like Barnes, you know, I, I expect, personally, I expect Quay Walker to play quite a bit on defense uh, with the way Joe Barry likes to play defense. But when a guy like Barnes, who's played as much as he has, right. suddenly is, uh, is a really, really solid, reliable depth piece, potentially, as, the, as this defense evolves, you just got a heck of a lot better at that position. Well, and you got to remember the way they used their personnel last year too. I mean, not just Barnes. They, they found ways to get Oren Burks involved uh, on defense, whether it was nickel or dime, whatever. I think you're going to see a lot of those same parallels with Walker, maybe even more so. I, I think there's going to be ways for this defense to be able to maximize the playmaking abilities of him while also realizing that, hey, two years ago, Chris Barnes was our Mike. Yeah. I mean, that was the way this defense was structured. We he had was to rely the guy on calling him. the shots. Yeah, yeah. so – I feel like that middle interior of the defense is really strong right now, and, and being able to, to be multiple with that I think is going to be Joe Barry's uh, real strength here moving forward. I mean, if you think about it, Mike, the, the Packer defenses, at least during my generation, I, I couldn't give you all the scheme breakdowns of you know how Fritz Shermer did it, but it's been strong, sturdy up the middle has been sort of the winning recipe for them, right? The thousand pound line back in like nine and 10 with, you know, Johnny Jolly and BJ Raji and, and also having Ryan Pickett involved. But then you had really good inside linebackers in the prime of their career there, you know, whether it was, you know, Nick Barnett and AJ Hawk, Desmond Bishop, Brandon Chillar. I mean, like they had deep pieces there in the middle of the defense. And I just feel like the deeper you are there, the, the more things you can do, and, Mike, I said it from draft night, and I'm going to say it again. 
even just watching individuals when Devondre Campbell is standing next to Quay Walker. I'm a short guy. I get that. <laughs> but the, I'm not much taller than you. But, but yeah. I mean, like, just the way those two guys sort of lord over the defensive front. Yep. Uh, th- there's just there's so many things you can do, and especially when you're that explosive in and out of your hips, you can cover sideline to sideline. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a presence there when those two guys are next to each other. There's no it's, doubt about it's it. It's an off-the-bus, you know, walking off the bus <laughs> kind of, you know, intimidation factor. And you, you mentioned the cornerbacks, too, and the way you can use these guys. You want to match up and go athletic with the Jair Alexander inside. You want to go with a Rasul Douglas, who's a bigger body, you know, almost more in that, that Charles Woodson-type build in terms of what his body looks like when he's in, on the field. It's the most exciting I think it's been here on defense in a number of years, but certainly Matt LaFleur said it. It looks great on paper, but you got to have it. you got to execute it. you got to keep guys healthy, but my goodness, Mike. The sky is the limit for that defensive unit. Yeah, a couple of other uh, column nuggets regarding the depth chart, just to uh, just to throw out there for now, to keep in mind for when we do um, when the team does come back for training camp at the end of July. On the defensive side, for the most part, um, it looks like the fourth cornerback is Keyshawn Nixon, yeah. the uh, um, the veteran acquisition from the Raiders who's also going to play a significant role on special teams. Right now, he would, you know, he looks like he's the fourth corner. And then the third the third safety behind your starters, um, Amos and Savage, at this point looks like Sean Davis. Yeah. Um, again, these are things that can change when training camp rolls around or you get one week into training camp and other guys start to emerge and whatnot. But I just throw those nuggets out there now for those who like to look look at the depth, look further down. That's sort of sort of where uh, how things look right now and as far as the offensive line goes we didn't see David Bakhtiari out on the field yet Elton Jenkins still rehabbing his knee we saw you know some some flip-flopping back and forth with uh with Yash Nyman Cole Van Lannen playing both of the tackle spots and we also saw Jake Hansen get some snaps um as a guard with uh the number one offensive line when Royce Newman moved out to right tackle. So some, some different combinations there um, with regard to, uh, to the top units. But So those are just some names I'll throw out there in terms of keeping your eye on the depth chart and, uh, and where things will probably yeah. be at the start of training camp, and then we see where it goes from there. The, the offensive line, and it, it, you just take all of it with such a big grain of salt because you go back and you think about, you know, really it was just Josh Myers is the only rookie I can ever really remember just starting and being right in with the starters from day one during the offseason program. Yeah. Yeah. The defense was really telling, though, because those are two positions with cornerback and safety where they don't really have rookies. It's a lot of returning veterans. So the fact that Davis is kind of sitting up there right now when you have a, a Vernon Scott back, when you have an Innes Gaines, and even the rookie in Carpenter, I, I thought that was very interesting. And in Nixon, man, I, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm not trying to do comparisons, but my goodness, the more you learn about what he did with the Raiders and the more you see what he can do potentially playing inside and outside in Green Bay – you kind of get the Jared Bush kind of vibe from him a little bit, but yeah, I will do. say this: he's maybe a tad, maybe a tad shorter than yes, Bush. I would definitely. say not quite, thicker. not quite the same, not quite the same body type. Yep. But I definitely get where you're going. And the that. fact when they are in the special teams periods, there is no question who's one of the guys that's one of the Rich Passaccia <laughs> leaders disciples. It's Keyshawn Nixon. That kid makes his voice heard on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Well. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. We will be back next week for one more show before 
kind of signing off for the summer break and then uh, coming back for training camp. But for now, thank you for tuning in, everybody. For Wes, I am Mike. We will see you next time. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.